You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 281. Hello, everybody. We are so excited to be with you. We are the Family Gamers. As always, I am your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely, wonderful, beautiful, and once again laughing at me wife, Anitra. That's me. Every Uh, week. Every week. Every week. Because it's an odd-numbered show this week, we also have some additional guests. We We, do. We are welcoming Doug Kotecki and Dr. Michael McCabe, the hosts of the Game Schooler podcast. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. Thank thank you for having us. Maybe if I work harder, I can get one of those doctors on my name. (laughs) It's it's an honor to be here. We're we're fans of your show. We've been listening to your show ever since uh, we joined the Dice Tower Network and very, very excited to, to be here with you guys tonight. Well, thank so you. He, um, he's Doug and I'm Michael. You, you guys, you guys. I feel like I listen to your show and I learn from you guys. So I feel like you're a lot smarter than we are. We just like games, but uh, <laughs> it's just Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Not a whole lot of learning going on. Wait till you hear the the next episode where I talk about some. Uh, not smart things I've been doing lately. So, all right, oh, oh, oh. I'm looking forward to that. All right, okay. So uh, it's 281. As as uh, as I am at this point now morally obligated to do, I have unearthed a fact about the number 281. I mean, you've been doing this for like 200 episodes. It's been a long time. Yeah. The, sometimes almost 281. It would seem <laughs> like I haven't been doing <laughs> it from right? the beginning. I haven't. It, I feel like I actually do feel like it's a fairly recent gimmick, but it, but it's, it's really not. not. It's, it's like not. four or five years. <laughs> it's just like this. because my time with you is is like a second. Oh my goodness! Oh, oh, wait a minute! Sounds oh, like we just came out of Valentine's Day or something, huh? <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So All right. What's anyway, the fact? Anyway, here's our fact. So, in the year 1997, I was um, in high school. Yeah. A, a movie. We were both in high school. Uh, yes. That's why this is a relevant fact to us. Uh, a movie came out about a giant ship. Oh. Spoiler alert. It crashed into an iceberg, broke in half, and sunk into the ocean. And that door was plenty big for Jack. I'm talking, of course, about the movie Titanic. The movie Titanic holds the record, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, for the number of days on the charts at 281 days. It entered the charts on December 19th, 1997, and did not leave because of all of those 13, 14, 15, and 16-year-old girls like you. I never saw hey, it. Hey, I, I saw it twice. I saw it twice, <laughs> Andrew. Oh, wow. so you just, saw it I was on at that least list. once. I saw it once. I saw it once. Just, I saw um, it zero. Yeah, but it did not Doing leave until part. September 25th, 1998. I went every day. <laughs> <laughs> 281 times I, I saw that you. movie. Leo. Yeah. Oh, Leo. Oh, it was Marv. so good. Oh, Marv. All right. I mean, the ship sinks again. <laughs> that, what else do you need to see? That's a great fact. But that's our. That, that's really not a great. Two hundred eighty-one like days. Week, no, that's cool. Was better, but um, I actually I really like the fact about how a bill becomes a law. That was one of my two seventy-nine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I really <laughs> like that one. Yeah. But anyway, so that's my fact for episode two eighty-one of Family Gamers podcast. I'll get to work on two eighty-two, so it's not so lame. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't lame. That's You're a good a one. <laughs> Another fact is that the Family Gamers podcast is sponsored by First Move Financial. 
Did you know that some of the best financial advice is also the simplest? The book The Richest Man in Babylon by George Klassen recommends having a budget that spends no more than 70% of income on living expenses, saving 10%, and using the remaining 20% to pay off debts. This simple formula works for most income levels. It's a great way to get started at budgeting, too. As you get more familiar with your budget, you can make adjustments. And as your income increases, if you assign only half of any increase to more living expenses and the other half to debts and saving, then you'll find yourself in a much better position. If you need to talk about other ideas to get started budgeting, set up a call with First Move by going to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers today. Thanks so much to First Move for sponsoring this episode of the show. All right, guys, so this is the, the point in the show. So we're going to talk about what you guys do with the Game Schooler podcast in the second half of the show. First yep, half of the okay. show, we're going to do what we always do, which is talk about games that we have been playing. Yes. So since you are our guests, I would like you to go first. Because guests come before ladies, and then ladies go first, and then that's the order. But you guys get to go first. So what <laughs> have right. you guys been playing? Uh, we're going to talk about some games that we shared together. And then one or two of us uh, that we played individually. With but, our families. Yeah. yeah. But one of them that we just played that we both thought is very interesting that probably won't get a lot of buzz is Golden Ticket. Have you played that from... Is that the Willy Wonka thing? That is the yeah. Willy Wonka thing. Yeah. Buffalo Games. It's a Target exclusive right now. Uh, it's yeah, a see, fun little it. game. Is it? Is it? it yeah. It's a, it's a really unique one, especially for... Certainly not necessarily for uh, gamers... Because the the whole concept of the end is you are trying to accumulate as many Wonka bars as possible. And then at the end of the game, you open up all these little um, the bars, chocolate bars. And if you have a golden ticket, you're one of the winners. So it's possible that you could have 22 of the 45 chocolate bars and as I did. Lose. And, and lose. I lost with the ghostess. Oh, and it man. came down to the final bar. We played with Doug's dad. And Doug's dad got a golden ticket right away as Charlie Bucket. And we're like, oh, hey, yeah. good job, Walt. Well, who's going to be the loser? And Doug unearths his last chocolate bar. And on the back of it, he shows a golden ticket. And I still oh, had about 15 <laughs> bars there. It was a fun oh, little man. game. That's 20 so minutes. It has that Willy Wonka feel. Uh, sure. Buffalo Games recently did summer camp, and that was in Target mm-hmm. as well, the Phil Walker-Harding game. Yep. Uh, so very affordable game, fun little game that that we enjoyed that will probably yeah. get recommended here in the next month or so, I would yeah, guess. I, I like the, the gameplay while you're going through that process was fun. And then getting towards the end, it reminded me of being a little kid opening baseball cards and mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I hope I get the guy I'm looking for, that type of thing. It could be devastating in a family. Like yeah. I, I, oh. I played with my daughters and I'm just sitting there at the end. And I'm like hoping, please let my youngest daughter get a ticket because if she loses, we could have some serious tears on our hands. A six-year-old and oh, yeah. nine-year-old. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. oh, yeah. But because of that, I think it's a great learning experience, right? Is teaching that is like you can over-prepare and it may still not work out, which is kind of the one of the things that, that I like about what games can do. But if you're a hardcore gamer... The idea of like, oh, it's all going to come down to luck at the end. Probably not that exciting. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. But but we enjoyed it. I mean, I've only seen pictures of this game. I mean, are there actual things that you like wrap, like unwrap, yeah. and, then, yeah. and then you put it back together, like when you put it away or something? Yeah, I've actually got it here. I'll show you. <laughs> okay, cool. show you one of them. So there's this little chocolate bar that's in a little cardboard container 
that uh, looks like a chocolate bar. It does. It's making me yeah. Hungry. But then in yeah, the back, you tuck the little golden ticket. Oh, okay. So the game has like and the wrapper is just like a cardboard them, I, think, I think there's oh. wow. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. So yeah, there's slight movement where you can move your character around. But then when you land on Willy Wonka, you get an extra chocolate bar. He gives you one. He, he gives you one. And then you have to roll a die to send Willy to a different part of the board. And so there, there's just enough going on in the game to also make it fun. And then when, when you get to the end, it's like, oh, yeah, am I going to win or not win? So that that's that was a fun one that we reviewed uh, just the last week or so. Cool. You gonna talk about what you played with your family, or should I jump in? Well, they might one. You want? Oh to- yeah, yeah, yeah. One, on, one each. Go ahead. My bad. Yeah, we'll we'll take some turns I think here. We'll, we'll do something similar. I think we played a lot of the same stuff. We're actually still going through some of the stuff that we played on our trip to Georgia because we played a lot of games, um, and then a lot less when we got home. Yeah, that's got life happened. Yeah, because yeah. Of real life and all that thing. Wow. So uh, the first Jobs. one is viral. The hive. Oh. Um, so viral is. It's just a fantastic area control game. Have you guys ever played Viral, the the original game? The uh, Arcane Wonders one? The Arcane Wonders game. Okay. About five years ago, four years ago, something like that. Something like that. And uh, so this is a game where there's different organs and you play as a virus and you're traveling around the body and you're trying to control areas of the body when scoring happens during each of the six rounds. Yeah, you're trying not only to control individual organs, but like all of the organs in a region of the body. So for example, one of them is both of the lungs and another mm-hmm. one is both sides of the heart. But um, one of the other zones is the liver and the kidneys and um, the pancreas or something. Pancreas, I, I don't know, yeah. Something like that. So, or there's no, it's like the small intestine and the large intestine. And then, so I don't know, whatever the point is, these- Can we name more parts of the body, please? <laughs> the brain. Yeah. I don't know. What kind of doctor are you? No. <laughs> Not that kind of doctor. <laughs> but, um, so they just released an expansion called The Hive. And in The Hive, what they've done is each of the... Six, viruses. Six viruses? So there's different viruses. Five. So Five it, viruses. In the, in the base game... They have they look different, but they're all the same. Everybody um, can do the same things. Everybody has the same powers to start. With the hive, they've introduced asymmetric powers for each of mm. the viruses, and you get four cards that you can kind of like. They start off normal, and they they create like a little picture of picture your virus of your guy. Virus, and then you can upgrade them. And I'll talk about that in a sec. And, and you flip them over, and each of the four cards that you flip over gives you a new ability. And they're just like making the virus more extreme, right? And they're actually kind of themed. So like one of them likes to create uh, crises. And so all four of the different powers are somehow related to crises and, yep. and making things uh. a little bit more you know, devastating. My guy, I think he could avoid shields because you can shield your viruses in this game. Yep. Um, and so they're all different. So it adds an extra little wrinkle because now not all the viruses do only the same things. They just happen to look different. But kind of the, the additional pieces, the reason why it's called the hive is because at the beginning of the game, everybody picks an organ that they attach their <laughs> viral hive to. Oh, cool. And so you, what's actually happening in the game is you're building up your virus tokens into the hive and then you like discard a certain number of tokens off your hive to flip over one of those cards. But you can move viruses in and out of a viral hive as well. So like one of the things about this game that's so unique is if you travel from organ to organ, the travel is is one way. 
So like I can't go from the brain to the heart and then directly back to the brain because it's it's one everything's one way travel. So if there's a crisis in an organ, I can just jump into my hive if it happens to be there, let the crisis resolve, and then have my viruses pop out of the hive back into the organ. It's the only place where you actually have this kind of two-way movement. Yeah. So it creates a place in the body where the virus can can hide. And then it has these asymmetric player powers. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all it adds. The way that it changes the game. Um, But even that is enough to substantially change the way it plays. And thankfully, it did not make the game take any longer and didn't really make it feel more complicated. So it did exactly what we want an expansion, especially to a family game, to do, which is make it more interesting, give us some more stuff to do, but without making the game harder. Yeah, this one is unfortunately on my shelf of embarrassment. Shelf of opportunity. I've been trying to tell Doug how you guys how you guys frame it. I, I brought that into our podcast. If you, and I, I've harvested that I, term. I I've, I've borrowed life. that. I hope that's okay, Anitra. But uh, totally, it's totally okay. We're. We well, I'm currently hiding mine with my ever body. expanding that right shell, there, that entire that, column right that there. That whole column. That's an awesome that's, column, folks. <laughs> it, it happens. Stuff in there. Yeah. So we'll get there. We're wow. Some of the stuff in that column I've actually finally admitted to myself is never going to get played until I finally put mm. it up for sale. But I, know. I have a single tear that rolls down my cheek every time I walk by one. Yeah. I try, like try not to keep them all in one space and it's overwhelming. So playing viral for the first time, do you think get the expansion and play with the expansion or is the base game an okay way um, to go I would the play first with time? the base game just because you don't like if everybody, if nobody has played it before, it'll be a little bit more balanced because you won't have asymmetric player powers. But I don't think it's a huge lift to add the expansion. Quick caveat. If you are playing with more than two players, I would play the base game. If you are playing with only two, I would add the expansion right away. Oh, that's Because true. in the base mm. game, the way to play with two players is to have sort of a dummy third player that's ghost. honestly yeah. really hard to keep track of. Yeah, and those are never good. I don't, any publisher who was yeah. listening to this, if you are thinking about putting together a two-player variant for your game that involves some kind of automaton third player, just say that the game is for three and up because they're they're almost, I, I don't think I've ever played a game where I was genuinely satisfied by a fake third player. I've played solo games against an automata that are satisfying, That's but yeah, but not, not a, but not a two-player game that has an automata that felt. Yeah. yeah, I just don't. I just like <laughs> Michael can come over and be a, an automaton for you. <laughs> you are welcome. We are very open house. Open you know, we'd love to. Have you want to fly to Massachusetts? We're happy yep. to have yeah, it. Absolutely, anytime. We'll um, don't like, say that. I'll show up at your door. There's this guy out there. Yeah, just, I don't know. He's he's tall. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, kind of the the classic example for me is Title Blades. I really like a lot of what happens in Title Blades. It is completely unplayable at two players because you have to manage the third it's just it's it's not good so it's like i tend to i tend to cheat to yeah play monopoly against yourself or you know well, I mean, whatever it, and it just like at, it's too much at the very least just have me flip over a card and tell me what the other player did like the the games where i have to think and or plan yeah like i remember like, like multi-step process it's not it's not yeah good. yeah i agree so yeah so that anitra's right if you are playing at two players, play with the hive. And okay. it's a, it's a, the the expansion's a fairly small box. It can fit in with the OG box pretty easily. Very easily. Um, so there you, know, you go. Like you got to get the expansion, Doug. Yeah, yeah. Play it first. Yeah. It's good. I mean, it, it's good. I, the, I don't think there's anything that the expansion adds that I felt was a detractor from from the main experience. Right? Yeah. So so there you go. Sure. 
Um, I'm going to add one more since I mentioned a solo game. Um, a solo game that does not have an automata that I got a chance to play is A Gentle Rain. Oh. And I had seen stuff about this and people were like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, cool, chill solo game. And the part that interested me is some people were saying this who I see normally don't play solo games. So I was like, hmm. So when we saw it at our friend's house, I was like, well, I've got 15 minutes to spare. I'm going to take a look at this. It was lovely. Um, as somebody who plays a lot of the, you know, shorter, smaller kind of solo games, it wasn't super challenging, but it's not really supposed to be. It's supposed to be like, sit, relax, take some deep breaths, enjoy putting together this little tableau of flowers and see if you can put down all the tokens by making matching flowers. And that's it. I loved it. And it's going on my wish list. Because it's exactly the kind of solo game. <laughs> Andrew's <laughs> like, I'm go- I'm getting it. It's exactly the kind of solo game that I really enjoy. Awesome. Yeah, I'm brand new to solo gaming. I'm about, this is week three as a solo gamer. <laughs> and I now have a small shelf of games where if the kids are in bed at nine, and if I don't have a meeting prior to 7 a.m., <laughs> I will solo game tonight. Um, so Doug, Doug is starting to look at me like I have a, a third ear growing out of my forehead right now. What's wrong, Doug? No, nothing's wrong. I, the thing with solo games to me is I, there's a fine line to where I think it's an enjoyable experience to like, I wish this was just an app, you sure. know, like the book sure. where the bookkeeping gets too much, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, I don't feel like setting and manipulating everything where it's like, a. Uh, so I feel like I have such a narrow range of what I would actually want in a solo game. And that's kind of where I am. Like it needs to be, there are a few games that I've played solo and then I've played an app and I was like, okay, the experience here is about the same. Mm-hmm. Generally, if it's a complicated enough game that there was an app or you wish there was an app, it's not the kind of game I'm going to solo. <laughs> yeah. 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 Generally speaking. So, and for me, like I grew up a video gamer. Uh, which means that I didn't really grow up with online multiplayer gaming. So like all the kids these days are playing online multiplayer video games. I play solo games in the video game world and multiplayer gaming is board games. So like generally speaking, if I have the opportunity to play a solo game, it's going to be on the TV and I'm going to have a controller in my hand. So I'm yeah. not, it's this, just not my my usage pattern. Yeah, this may also have yeah. something to do with the fact that I'm an only child and my parents didn't allow video games. <laughs> So I Strong influencer there. Yeah. A little, little bit. You're um, a little more erudite than I am. Although I will say, I didn't really start solo gaming until I was regularly sitting in a pickup line for half an hour or more every <laughs> single day of the week. And I was like, there has got to be something I can do sitting in the, basically a parking space besides read a book. You know, yeah. I got to say, yeah. <laughs> two years ago when Anitra said, you know what, I, I think we should just pay for the bus. I'm like, a hundred bucks for the bus. Like, how hard is it to just pick up the kids in the afternoon? And then I, I think five <laughs> or six or seven times I've heard this, like, I had to sit in a line for a half an hour. I'm like, you know what? Never mind. hundred bucks is fine. Uh, yes. Fine. Well, there's, so there's this one school where pickup is at three, but if you're actually going to be there at three for pickup, you have to get in the parking lot by 2.30. So yeah. it, it's not fun. I thought you were going to say that you had to go do it once. And then you're like, enough, we're paying for it. (laughs) No, (laughs) I can't handle this. Yeah. I mean, not to get too reductive, but like happy wife, happy life. (laughs) Yeah. No, it goes a long way. 
I try to live by that, but then board games keep showing up in my house. And, uh, oh, well, man, that's I'm going backwards. Yeah. You just got to hide them in the basement. <laughs> well, that's what I did. But uh, speaking of Didn't the work. absolute opposite of reductive, the next game on my list that I played was Hadrian's Wall. Oh, mm, yeah. No. Tell us about that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, Hadrian's, so have you played like Fleet, the dice game? Mm-mm, no. No. Okay. Have you ever played a roll and write that involves like two sheets of paper, like multiple mm-hmm. sheets of paper? No. Okay. okay, so you do not play Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> it's on my want to playlist, Andrew. So can you talk head, it off of that list for me? No, I mean, I'll explain. Like, I wish I had the sheets in front of me. I don't want that to happen. I like my head. <laughs> it's so complicated. So and I, I, I have to do this from memory now because I don't have the sheets of paper in front of me. But a game like Fleet the Dice Game, for me, it's like the perfect level of complexity. It's two sheets of paper that are, you know, uh, what is this? Probably like five inches by eight inches. There's two of them. And one of them has all of the fishing stuff and the other one has all the stuff that you do on land, like go to the wharf or go to um, go to the marketplace and stuff like that. And that's Fleet. Hadrian's Wall is two sheets of paper that are, I don't know, maybe nine by nine or 10 by 10 inch squares. Like they're enormous. And they are full and they are of stuff. Absolutely full, full of stuff. stuff. So I took um, one look at this game and I was like, hmm. Nope. Yeah, I thought Anitra was going to try it one time, and she's like, no, no, I'm not going to do so that. So I like Garpill games, and typically, we were just talking about this offline, not not to hijack your, your segment oh, here, no, Andrew, fine. but no. I'll buy a game like this, and then Doug will make fun of me as soon as the podcast <laughs> ends, and I'll be like, why did you ever buy that game? So please, thank you for talking me out of. Uh, Look. I don't. I don't want to get Renegade Games mad at me now for talking someone out of buying a game. But I will say that after playing it one time, I realized this game will never come off my shelf. I will play it at a convention. It, it'll never get played in my house. But there's no reason to buy it and have our mm. own copy. No, there isn't because yeah. no one will play it with it. Yeah. So the game takes place over six rounds, and at the beginning of of each round, you draw two cards. And they have like different stuff on them. One of them is like a goal that you need to accomplish by the end of the game. Like you get two points for every large building that you've built or, you know, something like that. So every card has some kind of goal. And then uh, they also have this like shape thing where there's a shape that you can put into this uh, mosaic uh, in a different part of your board. Uh, And then at the bottom, there's a number, which you could put in a different part of the board if you want to use that. Um, And then in the other corner, there's a couple of extra resources that you can get. So one of them, you tuck under the top of your board to get that end goal. And the other one you put next to you and all the stuff that's on the card is stuff that you can potentially do. Then... I feel like Michael's brain is about to explode into mine. I haven't even started yet. (laughs) Then, Then you flip over a card for everyone. And on that card is all the resources that you're going to get for that round. And everybody, that's the common resources that everybody gets. So you get those resources, which is like, you know, some like black meeples and some yellow meeples and some purple meeples and some cyan meeples um, and some rocks potentially, plus the small amount of resources that's on the card that you didn't tuck under for your goal, plus anything that's on your two boards that you're generating. That's your resources for the turn. Then, then you allocate your resources. And you can allocate them to all sorts of different places on the board. And you you would, you know, you'd allocate a couple of yellow guys to the area that can only have yellow guys in it. And then you check off some boxes. But maybe you can't check out all those boxes because you have to build up this other thing first so that you can get far enough along on that track before you can check off the boxes on the top one. And there's like three interwoven tracks on the top half 
of one of the boards. And that's how all that stuff works. And depending on what you check off, you might get more resources for the things that you check off. So you might be getting those resources that you can then allocate in other places. Woof. If you get to certain <laughs> thresholds, there's a middle section of the right board. You asked. You asked. If you get those thresholds, there's a middle section of the right board that has the small and the large buildings, which you can then use some of those resources to build those buildings. Below that... There's the like the actual um, tracker of the four different whatever attributes that you're trying to grow and whatever thresholds those hit, you know, you get certain victory points. And that's kind of like the main uh, victory point making scheme of this game. Right. So so there's that. And then once you hit certain thresholds on on those four things, then there's um, like special buildings that you can build. That's going to give you a little bit extra. Uh, so that's one of the two pages. And, and then, the other we stop page. there. You, do, do you want me to stop? <laughs> I, I want to pay good money to watch Michael teach this game. <laughs> stop. <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering why the complexity of 3.11 out of 5 on Board Game Geek? If this is a 3.11, what would a 4.5 look like? Because we often um, talk about the complexity scale on our podcast at, you, at a 1 being patty cake or bingo and a 5, your brain's going to melt. And mm-hmm. I mean, the way that you described it, it certainly seems like it would be more complex. I mean, any thoughts because, on that? Because mechan- like the mechanics in the game are not that complicated. There's just a lot of them. Okay. What, what is the interaction like on it? So as you go through, there's very little actual interaction in the game. Most roll and rights have very little interaction in them, unless it's like dice drafting or something like that, right? So that part's not that surprising. Um, I mentioned... 700 years ago when I was describing the cards that there's a number on your card and there's a shape on your card. So on the left page, which I didn't even describe, there's a marketplace in which you can put numbers and they have, I really want to play this game. I do. (laughs) You have to put unique numbers in there. So there's like six spots and you have to put unique numbers in them. Well, the other person's card might have the number that you want. So you can pay them a resource to use their number. So that's mm. kind of some of the interaction. And then <laughs> I mentioned there's a like a like a polyomino shape that fits into this mosaic down on the on the bottom of this left page of this ridiculous thing. And in there, as you place, it's a, kind of like Baron Park. Have you ever played Baron Park? Yeah. You know, yep. how, you know how if you put a polyomino on something, you cover an icon, you get that. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of like that. As you spend re- the the appropriate resource to put a tile onto this mosaic, if you cover things, you get those resources. So you might have a spot on this mosaic that other the person to your right, their shape will fit perfectly into. So you can pay them a resource to use their shape. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the player interaction in the game. But so the very first section that I mentioned, where there's kind of like three interwoven tracks where you have to build across all of them and you have to kind of keep them in sync as you move across, that builds the wall, the, Hadrian's actual wall, Hadrian's wall. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the round, once all the resources have been allocated and all that stuff's been done, then you flip over a certain number of cards depending on which round it is. And there's a little like central play mat that you that you can see. It's, it's there. Right yeah. And it says like flip over three cards. And so you flip over three cards and at the top of the cards, it'll have an arrow to the left, an arrow up or an arrow to the right. And there's these three sections of the wall that you have to build over the course of the game. So... After all, after you flip all the cards, you're going to have some number of left attacks, some number of central attacks, and some number of right attacks. And any of those that you have, like a, a mark in a wall, you defend against. Any mm. of them you don't, they come through and you get what's called disdain. And those are basically negative victory points at the end of the game. So mm. there's this common thing that everybody has to be mindful of 
that you have to continue to maintain over the course of the game. But beyond that, there are many branching strategies that can get you points in the game. So it, it is really interesting. I definitely would play it again. I, I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed playing it. I just know that I, it would never come off the shelf in my house. Yeah. Which is the, the only reason why I, I took it off my list. I'm familiar with that story. As am I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I. Yeah. That's why I don't own Twilight Struggle anymore. That's why I don't own Zulkin anymore. And that's why I never bought Teotihuacan. Because yes. I knew that they would just never get played. Yeah. So that's Hadrian's Wall. Hadrian, Hadrian, Hadrian. I don't know. Hadrian. Andrew, Hadrian's it's Hadrian's still on my want to playlist. You didn't oh, talk oh, it off I of there. I don't, so, I don't no, expect I, it to, to be yeah. from a want to playlist. It's just the buy. Like It's a very yeah. specific scenario where you're buying that game. That's all. I'm, Good. I'm with him on that. Right. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm tired now. I'm exhausted. Wow. <laughs> well, so tell us, us about something else you guys have been playing. All right, we'll light we'll lighten the load a little bit. Uh, we played uh, Kim Joy's Magic Bakery. Have oh, you I that love one? it. That game is yes. awesome. That game it is, is so awesome. adorable. It is it's awesome. So fun. One of the things. So, uh, if your listeners don't know, it's a it's a bakery game where you are co- cooperatively trying to fulfill orders that your customers are coming in and it's kind of got this tiered system where you need butter and eggs to then make sponge cake and the sponge cake and the jam go together to make shortbread type of thing. One of the things that I really like about this in comparison to a lot of cooperative games that we play as a family is that it really forces communication and the idea of selfless play. Yes. So it's about yes. it's about fulfilling the customer and working together to do that. And then sometimes it's like not everybody gets the glory turn of, okay, I'm the one that gets to turn in the icing and the biscuit to fulfill the order. And, and that type of a thing where it's like, I really feel like you're running a little bakery right? and everybody's working together. It's like, well, I've got eggs over here. You've got this over there. And that to see that happen, especially when you're playing with kids and to see them communicating and, and putting the pieces together of saying, okay, I can, well, if you do this and I do that, it mm-hmm. really eliminates a lot of the alpha gaming that I think yeah, is really cool. Sometimes the turns aren't even like, uh, oh, well, you know, you're going to get the glory of putting everything together. Sometimes your turn is, I don't even get to put a single piece of this layer together. I'm just handing off stuff to other people, and that's my entire yeah, turn. Right. And I picture that as it's being a setup like, turn. Being yeah. somebody running around in the bakery being like, oh, you needed eggs. Yeah. Uh, oh, you needed yeah. eggs and the, you the needed milk. Chef. I'm the sous yeah. chef. The sous turn. chef. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I actually, yeah. one of the things I love about this game is that it actually shines at higher player counts because of exactly what you said. When you play this yeah. at two, because we, the first time we played it, we played it at two. And at two players, everybody's got, I think, four actions. And with four actions, maybe it's three. It doesn't matter. But the point is you have enough actions to gather stuff and make something. Which is kind of a it's 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 a nuclear turn where you're doing your own thing and you know it gets a little more mechanical. You, you don't have to collaborate as much. Um, you still kind of do, but at two players, you have enough actions where you can you, you can, can have those more satisfying turns. Yeah, yeah, but as the player count goes up, the action count per player goes down, and yeah. that forces the collaboration. Yeah. So I think the game actually shines at higher player counts well, because of exactly that reason. What I liked about playing the game, we played it with Doug's oldest daughter, uh, who's 10, and it actually put her in that leadership role. And Doug and I, as the adults, had to be followers. Nice. And she was seeing what needed to happen. And it was like, oh, well, Mr. Michael, you should just give me the butter so that I can do this and do that. And she was thinking ahead and, and leading in a way that 
hasn't always happened in cooperative games that we've played with our own kid, at least with my own kids or even yeah. with, with your kiddos. Well, uh, that and then, you know, with the um, the the little mini campaign and the, the changing of the rules. Yes. And, yep. Okay, you got to move the cat over to, you know, mm-hmm. to to be able to get to those ingredients and things. And there's little wrinkles that, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, get get out way. of here, you lazy Go cat. cat. <laughs> but it's it's so just cute. a great mechanism that keeps the game fresh and keeps you working towards something and doesn't have that same like pandemic trope where it's, here's all the bad stuff that's happening. Now you do your mm-hmm. turns. Here's more bad stuff happening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I like when games get out of that trap. Yeah, it was fun um, for a cooperative game. Yeah, yeah it, it so. kind of it kind of weaves the difficulty into the game instead of like the good guys go, the bad guys go, the good guys go, the bad yeah. guys go, which is nice. Uh, we haven't played through the whole thing. I think there's I think ten scenarios, but I've peeked at the, some of the later ones, and they are terrifying. Um, yeah, not not in content, but in terms of difficulty. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. a difficulty. There's the, ramps the demons up, huh? that come out of the biscuits are frightening. <laughs> <laughs> It's not devil's food cake. It's devil. I didn't know that was coming. That's good. Um, I think, why don't we talk about one more? So I went insane with Hadrian's Wall, and we're going to bring it all the way back in the other direction. All the way. All the way back. This is going to be the Patty cake. Almost. Pretty close. (laughs) Pretty close. This is going to be the game that people are going to hear about during the break. This is a game called... Race to stupid. So it's. I feel party. like I'm already there. Do you uh, want yeah, to tell you about it? Winner, Should I tell you about my journey? Winner, winner. Yeah. Um, it's a party trivia game. Um, oh. So, you know, your typical, like, somebody reads out a question and everybody tries to figure out the answer. But the key here is that you're actually giving two answers, a, a straight, like, real answer that you think is the real answer to the question, and then the stupidest possible answer that you can come up with. <sighs> So it's like a trivia game mashed up with like an apples to apples judging. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, and y- as you know, uh, if you've watched any of our snap reviews, we talk about expectations and surprises. The games like this with our typically do not go over well with our family. They just okay. don't. Uh, somebody gets their feelings hurt or something or, you know, there's not enough domain knowledge. And so it's, you know, it's kind of a pain. Yeah, either the trivia falls down because you don't know enough trivia or the judging part falls down because like you always pick him right or yeah. whatever yeah so the the thing about this game that is the the secret genius of the race to stupid oh that's a that's a tagline right uh, yeah, the secret uh, is <laughs> is that the real answer is worth one point and the selected stupid answer is worth two points mm. so you can win this game and never get a trivia question right so is is everyone submitting an answer two answers to the question yes, yes. okay yeah, so there's a bunch a of stupid like, answers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Everybody's got a little dry erase board thing. And it'll be something like, what is the nickname for the state of Alaska? That's the question. This was a real question. We played this tonight. I don't even remember what the real answer was. Uh something about, it's like the last frontier. Oh yeah. The, something the, like that. Yeah, something like that. But my um, my stupid answer was um, snow, 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 <laughs> snow, you know, from White Christmas. And, um, and mine was um, the never enough sun and then all the sun all the time state. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just silly <laughs> stuff like that. And, you know, our seven year old boy, most of his silly answers involve butts or farts. And that's fine. Yeah. One of our surprises was that our kids loved it. And oh, we, it wow. It was fun for everybody. Like we went around one time and I was like, OK. 
they've suffered through the game. They've, they've done enough. We've seen their reactions. We can speak to this in the snap review. Yeah. Do you, you know, guys want to play more? Do you want to play another round? And they're like, yes. yes. We want to play oh, more. that's awesome. Like, whoa, like I didn't really expect that. And then when we were done, our seven-year-old was like, I can't wait to play that again. That's great. Okay. That's high yeah. praise. Yeah. What? For a trivia game? For yeah. my seven-year-old? I yeah. couldn't believe it. So for adults, like we look at that, we're like, oh yeah, that'll be fun, but seems kind of gimmicky. But it completely It just worked with your family, age, huh? The age requirement thing, because you can be silly with it. So it is kind of gimmicky, and I, I will say like it goes in a completely different direction if we call it Race to Stupid After Dark with all oh, yeah, adults. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a whole... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we did not do that. We discussed how that could be possible. We didn't do yeah. that with our children. Yeah, I, no, that's good news. Oh, yes, you did. What? When we played with our friends. I plead the fifth. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still a licensed educator, so maybe I should get out of the podcast now. I feel like I could be... Uh... <laughs> no, it was no, fun. No, no, no. I'll no, allow it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I, it you can rude. stay. I'll allow it. Okay. It was rude, but not racy. How's that? No, that's great. Sure. Sure. Okay. It depends on the answers you come up with. The questions yeah. are the same. So yeah. it could be a lot of fun with, with yeah. multiple crowds. That's mm-hmm. that's yeah. great. Yeah. Reminds me of like a, a balder dash that can yeah, kind of. Kind of. It can flex. Evolve, can evolve flex. with the group. Yeah. Yes, and, and exactly. Very group dependent. Yeah. So cool. I, I did not I did not have high expectations. Um, at all. I mean, it's it's a couple of cards, well, not a couple of cards, probably a hundred cards, and then these little dry erase board things. But I gotta say, I was surprised at just how fun it was. Our expectations were low, and it surpassed them amazingly. Yep. Isn't that great when a game works with your family, and yeah. you know that this is something we're going to keep playing? Yeah, that That's that's awesome. Yeah I, yeah, I do feel a little bit bad, because like I thought we were going to play this and do the snap review and then give it to my sister who was actually interested in it. And now she can't have it. Because <laughs> our kids are like, yes, let's play it again. Yeah. So she well, can play it when she comes. That's back. all right. But uh, yeah. So that's all I've got uh, on my list. There's much more on my list, but um, we've been talking about a lot of games. You, do you want to? Do you guys want to cover any any more games on your on your side? I could, I'll just throw out there. Um, play Dice Throne Adventures with my oldest child. My oldest kiddo had had a sleepover this weekend, and it was so much fun that we may actually have a Dice Throne club starting up either nice. at our house or That's after awesome. school. I don't nice. know, but That's season awesome. one and season two are going to get a lot of use. So nice. that was Excellent. that was the nice surprise of of the week uh, for me and my house. Awesome. We kickstarted um, the Dice Throne Marvel stuff. So yeah. yes. I think um, we've got season one and we've got, we've got some half of, stuff of season from two. Season two. But I suspect mm. that uh, when Marvel comes in, I'm pretty excited. It'll it'll breathe new oh. life into it for us. It was a big, I was going to say after school game, but in our kids' case, also before school game, yeah. um, <laughs> many days. It, it was a reason sometimes for our older two to get up early enough so they could play a game of it before school, before they isn't that awesome? Get on the bus and leave. The best coming out of the bedroom and seeing the kids laying on their stomachs on the floor (laughs) playing a board game together. Like there is nothing like it. It feels amazing. Yeah, it's better than a sunrise. Did you guys get a chance to play the adventures? The cooperative? No, no, I I never did. We have too many campaign style games that are unfinished that are not getting played. Don't. Yeah, Familiar Tales is coming in at the end of the week, which I'm very excited Mm. for. Um, sure. I'm really interested to see if my if if the kids are gonna like it. I hope they are. But like, yeah, I I don't want to put another campaign game in my yeah. house. <laughs> oh, I understand. I understand that. We get that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so so we did not we did not go in on uh, on that one. But 
And then, like, I'm a huge role player guy. Like, that's my game. So then, role player adventures and that whole thing. And I'm like, oh, I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. So, yeah. You're yeah. making wise decisions. I'm, it's happening. Once, once in a lifetime. <laughs> Every once in a while. Speaking of wise decisions, oh, no. <laughs> why don't we take a break? And when we come back, you're going to hear all about Race to Stupid. And then, when we come back, we are going to put the spotlight on our wonderful guests and make them talk all about their awesome podcast, which makes me feel dumb. (laughs) We'll be right back. I'm ready for the race. What are you talking about? We're racing today. Oh, you might not want to win this race. This is a snap review for... Wait, can we say that on the Family Gamers? I think so. This is a snap review for Race to Stupid. Race to Stupid is a trivia party game from Little Darlin' Games. The box suggests that it's best for two to six players ages 14 and up. In... 30 to 45 minutes, but really you can play as much or as little as you want. So Andrew, let's talk about the art in this game. There really isn't any art in Race for Stupid. There's a logo with stick figures holding up a finish line, which is repeated on both the cards and on the dry erase folders. But that's not even the focus of the game. The cards themselves are sturdy, and the folders have plenty of space to write, and they actually dry erase fairly well. So Anitra, let's talk about how to play this game. Okay, Race to Stupid is an impress-the-judge game with a little bit of a twist. The judge picks one of the four questions on their card and reads it out to the rest of the players. Like, what's the official nickname of Florida? Hmm. Then what's going to happen is everybody's going to write down two answers. The first one will be their best guess at the real answer, and the second one is going to be their best stupid, or as we try to say here, silly answer. We're going we're gonna to keep this all family Keep friendly. it family yeah, friendly. yeah, yeah. Once everyone is ready, the judge reads out the real answer. Florida is the Sunshine State. And anyone who got it right gets a point. Then, every player takes turns reading their silly answers, and the judge picks the one that they like the best. The Florida Man State. The Old People State. The Snowbird State. Whatever it might be. The winner of the silly answer gets two points whether or not they got the real answer correct. Play a few rounds or until you need a break from laughing at each other. So, Anisha, what did we expect from this game? Well, with a suggested age range of 14 plus and a disclaimer on the back of the box, we were a little nervous of playing this as a family game. In fact, I don't think we played it as a family game first. We played it just with adults to kind of sense what was going on. Yeah. The disclaimer on the back of the box reads... (laughs) Race to Stupid is not approved by our mother. She thinks it is a horrible idea. But she thinks most things we do and say aren't funny. We think it's hilariously funny, as the creator speaking, and so does everyone who plays. (laughs) Remember, just because you get older doesn't mean you have to grow up. Which is something we say all the time, by the way. But anyway, after meeting Kathy and Marie at PAX Unplugged and learning about the game, we figured it was worth a shot. So we tried it out, and Anitra, we were surprised. We were surprised at just how quickly this game got us laughing. (laughs) After we had played it with adults and checked through the questions, then we also played it with our kids. 
There were a few moments when kids kind of started getting upset about the score, but we kept reminding them this game is not really about the score. This game is about the fun and everybody was having it. All three of our kids said that they would be happy to play this again, which was a total that was surprise. And all of the questions in Race is Stupid are G-rated, appropriate for everyone. Mm-hmm. How appropriate this game is for your family depends on your answers. This is a game that really genuinely surprised us. Everybody's played an apples-to-apples style game where the judge gets to choose the answers to the questions before, but this dynamic with real answers and then silly answers really just got everybody into the act of coming up with something that was progressively more goofy as the night went on. So, Anitra, do we recommend this game? Well, Brace to Stupid is a party trivia game that's surprisingly good for anyone who can read, write, and make up funny statements. I mean, you might have to be prepared for a lot of fart jokes if you have young boys in your family, uh, or, like we do. Or older boys in your family. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes you got to play to the judge. It's not my fault. <laughs> if you play it more than a few times, you will start to recognize some of the questions. There's a hundred cards with four questions on each card. But since you get more points for silliness than for correct answers, I don't really think it's that much of a problem. So, Andrew, what do you think we should rate Race to Stupid? From Little Darlin' Games. Well, given our experiences with this game, I think we're going to rate this four out of five belly laughs. <laughs> and that's Race to Stupid in, in a, a snap. snap. And we're back. So this is the real reason for the podcast tonight, <laughs> yep. um, is to talk about Doug and Michael and what you guys do with Gameschooler.com and the Gameschooler podcast. So let's start with the Gameschooler podcast. So this is how you found these guys out. Yeah. And the moment I started listening to it, I was hooked because I was like, oh, they do the same, like what we've been playing as as we do to start off their show. But then there's a lot of focus on playing games with kids in a somewhat educational context, more than we do. I venture out into that every once in a while, but most so of the time- So it's more like, like our show, but smarter. Is what uh, you're saying? I, no, I, I wouldn't yes. say that. I don't know about no, that. No, no, no. We taught, let's set the standards low, like the game that we just talked about. So that when people get to us, they can trip over the bar and continue to listen. Yeah, our, our podcast is about, it started with the concept of, you know, there are a lot of skills in board gaming that are very hard to teach in traditional subjects. Right. And it's like yes. we can think about math and you take a test and, and a history and you take a test and it's easy to know whether your kid knows those concepts or not. Mm-hmm. And there are so many skills that pop up in board games that are really hard to teach in a classroom setting. And we kind of came to the conclusion that these games are educational just on their own and that you don't have to be branded in an educational game. It can just be all of the awesome, amazing games that are in the hobby right now that are showing up at Targets as the hobby continues to expand. And we wanted to kind of show and highlight those games because they are teaching lessons that are really hard to teach in school, like risk management. Like, how do you teach risk management in a safe way in a classroom? And then you think about a board game where kids can handle money and spend stuff and make bad decisions and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the only uh, downside is that they lost a game. Who cares, right? Mm. right. Yeah, we've honed in and settled and developed a, a set of core skills that we feel are in most of the games that, that 
we review. And game schooling is not new, right? Game schooling is something right. that's been around. It has the theoretical underpinnings that are tied to game-based learning. Um, I was a, a classroom teacher and, and a middle school principal, and it just so happened that Doug invited me to go to a, a board game convention. And so I took my two personal days and I asked my boss very sheepishly, hey, uh, do you mind if I take off to, to go to a board game convention? And, um, you know, several years later, we're, we're doing game school around the side because we have a passion for this and we want to increase engagement in interaction. So we're taking that game-based learning um, and unplugging it and, and very much trying to get people from, from all different backgrounds and, and ages to the table. So our, our target audience really, it's, it's innovative teachers, it's homeschoolers, and then it's, it's we say librarians, but it's community centers and well, after schools and, and well, people and just, who are- And parents, you know, the, yeah. the amount of value. I mean, we've you know, we're, we're working on a, a, on a book and doing research for that type of stuff. And you start running around these, you're coming around to statistics of how much of an impact just having a family dinner on a regular yes. basis with your kids is. And yes. it's like now at a game night, yeah, have, have a game yeah. night and, and the, the ways that you can interact with your kids in, in different ways and empower them to uh, have agency while they're playing the game is so powerful. And the, you know, the amount of experiences that I'm sure you guys have had and we have had when you see your kid make that next step or you see them do a strategy, yeah. you're like, wow, they're, How did you they're picking that? up on this stuff, mm-hmm. um, is just really about letting kids and, and families experience that and the amount of learning that's happening and happening in the background without playing a quote educational game, you yeah. know, that, and a lot of times it's just a, uh, a recap, you know, it's like Christopher Columbus bingo, you know, that you're just it's like, okay, this is not really a game that I want to keep playing over and yeah. over again. It's, it's just yeah. an alternative to a worksheet. And I think we're trying That's to. That's not a real game, is it? That sounds terrible. I'm sure it is. Did you make that up? Okay. Don't, don't publish <laughs> I, I, that. Let me make up. I'm going to. Do not I'm gonna, that game ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to make up another one. It's called well, Yosemite you, you National Park Bingo. You don't know if he's making bingo. them up or not. I mean, I'm in a room with a thousand <laughs> oh, games man. next to me here. Washington, so some of them are made up. Bingo. And, all right. All right. Trekking so, the world. No. Um, that's a great game. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Well, I mean, you know, I, I agree with you. And we've, t- we've said a lot on our show, like, every game has something that you can use for learning. It's just reality, right? Every game is an educational game. Yeah, in some in some way or another. And you know, one thing that I was just kind of musing on while you were talking was that, especially in the world in which we live, where our children, like, yes, our children learn from us. Of course they learn from us. But a lot of learning they do is in school. So they go to school and they learn stuff and then they come home and, you know, we see them struggle through their homework. But we don't really see our kids go through the process of learning. Right. Go through the process of a lot of that problem solving. Right. We just don't. We, we don't see it unless we're really looking for unless it. Unless you're yeah. really looking for it. But if well, and then you have to have the time and the patience and, and the, the, I don't want d- desire is not the right word, but there's a lot going on. So to, to be involved oh, yeah. in that, it takes a lot of different resources, but you can see a lot of that process. A lot of those cognitive processes in your kids, when you're watching them put these strategies together, when you're watching them figure out, how resource management works or how to leverage their engine in century golem edition, just watching them, yeah. watching them think right. And mm-hmm. watching them, 
reinforce these pathways of, of resource management and all and, and engine building and all this stuff. I don't think we see that as parents in our society where we send our kids off to school, right? We just don't right? see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see that up close and personal mm-hmm. and, and with your kids is amazing. And for us, I hope this isn't too, too much of a deep dive, but we started right before COVID hit and the lockdown hit, we started making skill builders. So for some of the titles like Evergreen and Catan, and we thought we're going to take these skill builders for games that people know and people will use them in the classroom. And what we quickly found out after developing, oh, about 50 skill builders in a year of our time is that we completely oversold the sale. And we need to just start with a podcast and get a book that is taking game schooling and getting it into as broad of an audience as possible. So that's kind of where we're at on our journey and the benefit from that. And you guys have talked about this on your show was just getting to interact with listeners and being on this journey with with others. Uh, it's been awesome having a, a weekly show and, and connecting with people and, and getting to come on a show like yours. It's uh, certainly feel like we are getting more than we're giving back a lot of times. Well, I think you're giving back plenty. I am a regular mm-hmm. listener to your show now to the point where I, I was mapping this out and I was like, okay, every week you start with what we've been playing yep. and then you talk about the school of gaming. <laughs> um <laughs> Do I need to tone that down, Anitra? I don't no, get very much. I love feedback. your game show announcer voice. Can you give us a, a preview or, or maybe just a, a review? Of, uh, are you Are you sure you want oh, me to go it, all in? I don't have a run yes. sheet in front of me, but That's you okay. asked I mean, for it. The school of gaming. <laughs> it's usually louder. I, I it almost tips my chair over. <laughs> oh. Yeah, in the school of gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, and etiquette. Etiquette, <laughs> etiquette. etiquette? Um, so we—that's a segment where we really just try to take something from game schooling of, of gaming and education and unpack it a little bit. We we definitely started out being very formulaic with that, but now we try to have more of a conversation back and forth. One person will do. Uh, more prep and the other person will try to just shoot holes and have a conversation in it. But, and a lot of that now is built off of listeners and what, what people are asking us and some of those questions that are coming in. So that, that's a fun segment that we enjoy putting together. Yeah. And let's see your other things are the recommended game of the week. That's kind of the focus every week is talk about this one game, what skills it's, it builds, why it might be a good choice in some situations and not in others. Yep. But why you recommend it. Yeah. And then the last thing is you always do a, a top five list of some sort, which yeah. I find hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> why? why? Because what? a lot of them are uh, – part of it is it sounds very familiar to me of the like, oh, no, we needed to do a five. Um, uh, Yeah, we're going to do this topic. you know, And then you all shoot holes in each other. You're like, why did that make your list? I don't know. Yeah. It's what I came up with. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah. That's thank you. Classic gamers debate right there. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. 100%. So, you know, one thing that you, you kind of talked about the skill builder thing. You know, I was kind of thinking about this and how if you're using a game that so first of all, are the skill builders still available on the website even though you yep. feel like Yep. Yeah, yes, yeah, many of them we've put out for free over time yeah. because we just want them to get into the classrooms yeah. and into the homes and into the community centers. Some are still hidden behind a paywall just because we haven't Taking the time to give them away yet, but uh, yeah, they're they're readily available and can be downloaded in PDFs right there. 
Yeah, but I think the cool thing about that is that, you know, as as parents or as teachers, you know, you can sit down and play a game that you might have the skill builder sheet for and just enjoy the game. But maybe yeah. another time you're doing a little bit more work to really try to work through that process of building those skills and, and other times you're, you're not. And so, you know, you talked about like educational games are yep. really just, you know, boring. Lame. Whatever is. Yeah, Unless they come from Genius Games. We're big fans of Genius yeah. Games. Yeah. Uh, but, periodic. But vast, and... vast, vast majority of educational games yeah. are bad. Yeah. Garbage. They're, yeah. they're not good. Hot trash. But, but you, you know, depending on how you kind of accentuate, like, are, are we going to really drive through the skill building or are we just going to play the game? Like, you, you almost can flex the same game in, in either direction. And I think that's really great. Yeah, it's something that I, I think every once in a while we talk about as the – Certainly in a classroom setting is the idea of a skill builder or the game being a companion or a a treat to the basic lesson or, you know, we're we're doing a a project on on seven wonders and you play the game when you're done or vice versa. You play the game of seven wonders and say, all right, now we're going to talk about all of the wonders that were actually in the game and then go on a a deep dive into those. That was fun to put together. Um, and, and we do actually have a subject builder for Seven Wonders that goes through kind of the histories and the, the myths behind where some I, of those come from. Yeah. I need to pull that from you guys because I'm doing ancient history with my. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brain. No, it's there. And it, that one's downloadable and free and well, ready to go, right? If, if it's, it's not, not, it will be by tomorrow because we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that it is. Can I just and, say how much I don't like I'm downstairs slaving away at work all day slaving long. Slaving away. And I, I come, I don't have a bathroom down here. So I go upstairs to use the bathroom. And there's Anitra and Asher just playing a board game in the middle of the that, day. Like, I would like to be playing a board. Oh, it's school. It's uh, school. Uh, They're learning. <laughs> oh. And I think, I do think we are at the, (laughs) there's a long (laughs) runway for this though. I I think you could genuinely be walking in, not to scare both of you, but you could be walking in as grandparents to your own children's house and and have game schooling happening as a regular thing. I think right now we're definitely in that innovator early adopter stage of it. But with the pandemic and with homeschooling numbers and virtual schooling numbers increasing, people also want to unplug and, and need to build skills. So for us, it's certainly a passion project, a hobby, moonlighting, side hustle, but it's something that we look forward to continuing and being um, growing over time here. But for the record, I don't mind the idea of walking into my kid's house as grandparents because I'll be retired and I'll have the time to play the game. Yeah. You'll, You'll be, be the bringing one. the games. <laughs> yeah, right. my, everything will be my fault. It'll be awesome because yeah. nothing's ever grandma's fault. It was yeah. Grandma's fault. <laughs> pop, pop, why did these board games show up at our house? Well, I need you to store those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to play Hadrian's Wall, everyone. <laughs> and we're going to learn about Roman history at the same time. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what we're right. doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how did you settle on the structure for the podcast that you did? I mean, you mentioned that you started pain. the podcast because Just you wanted pain. to. <laughs> <laughs> Doug has a theater background in all seriousness, and I have a background in curriculum development and, and project-based learning. And so I think format and structure is something that we both – thrive in and need. Doug will say that he's lazy, but in fact, he's just very efficient. 
So our, our we, we kind of stumbled. <laughs> I've into, conned them all. <laughs> we 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 stumbled into our format. It, it was through pain and, and some argument of what's going to be the best structure. The recommended game of the week is something that I, I think we want to. Um, frame our, our show around, but then the other segments have just kind of fallen into place from other podcasts that we listen to. And, and Well, and I think with the, the recommended game of the week, I think one of the things that's, I mean, I've been gaming for, uh, geez, 10 or 11 years. 35 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been, you know, following the industry and, and other podcasts and things like that. One of the things that we wanted to do with the recommended game was highlight games that are a for a family market and a lot of games that get passed over by gamers, hardcore gamers that are, yep, yep. that dismiss stuff. And you know, when there's not in a bad way, but just that the, the hype happens and then people move on. And so we want to put yeah. the spotlight on, on a game. And, that, and yeah, that stuff that may, you know, when you've got, you know, 3000 new board games coming out every year and the, the quality level from 10 years ago, even the the number thousand, you know, the thousandth best game is still probably better than what most kids grew up playing that are our age. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, and 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 because they don't necessarily get the hype or they don't, you know, the the influences don't talk about them. They're just forgotten, and it doesn't mean that they're bad games. Sometimes people just don't notice them. Sometimes they're a little bit too light to be hardcore we're gonna play a four-hour game or we really want something that's gonna melt our brain and the families don't want to play games like that uh, that's true as you, <laughs> you may know. have noticed when when you became a father yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and 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 my family my brothers and my parents they're not strong gamers so like what yeah. i can pull out your dad and- holds his own weight he he was rocking it as Charlie Bucket the other night. Uh, <laughs> Walt, Walt does a great job. <laughs> he glasses over on the patty cake explanation. <laughs> you know, so understanding what you can actually play with families, whether it's your immediate family or extended family, and mm-hmm. and introducing that. And like I said, there's so many things that fall under the radar. It's like these are really good family games and enjoyable. So we have we have a rating, we have a criteria. We we make fun of it a little bit, a stringent criteria, but we have a rubric that the games that we play and review go through, and, and there's a threshold that they they have to meet that threshold to to get the recommended list. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of great games that simply won't make it for one reason or another, whether it's complexity, sure. time, cost, price, price, you know, and that's something of, that we try and be aware of is, is a big one, you know. I'm not going to recommend a hundred dollar game, even though it's amazing. I have a few times and Doug makes sure that it gets called out, (laughs) you know, and, and those things, it's like trying to fit into that scale. Is it fun? Is it interactive? Does the, you know, does it have that wow factor when it's on the table, the art, because half of the thing is if you're going to talk about game schooling and, and getting kids to the table, you need to get them to the table. There's a lot of competition yes. for eyeballs, right? you know. So it's got to be engaging. Yes. It's got to look inviting. It has to be a easy a, teach, easy setup thing that grabs mm-hmm. them. And that's that whole thing of repetition, right? You can't start learning those skills until you start repeating those skills, and you have to play the game several times to get that. Well, if the game is not fun and it's not interactive, they're not going to play it again. So, you know, you're not going to get that benefit out of it. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, we include, I, I think we, we are probably marginally less formalized in the way that we do it, but we do include family fun as a rating in our, yeah, I like in, that. Our reviews. in our reviews because it's really important. You know, we've had publishers reach out to us after we've reviewed a game and be like, Hey, how come we only got a six, you know, because yeah. when you boil it all down to a number. It's a number. And I was like, well, if you look, the art is a nine and the mechanics are a nine and a half, but the family fun is a four. Yeah. That's just how it is. You fun know, matters. Yeah. Fun totally, totally matters. And fun is different when you're talking about a family setting. So you guys have talked a lot about you know, kind of where you were and how you kind of, you feel like you overreached a little bit and then you scaled back, but you've still got some of that stuff on the website and there's some other things you're working on. Um, and I, I really, you know, love a lot of what you're talking about with like kind of your mission. If, if everything went exactly the way you wanted to, where would the Game School podcast be in one year? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, for for me, I think in increasing the the audience engagement, I love hearing people's stories, asking questions, and getting more people into the hobby. I'd love to hear, you know, know that people are implementing a family game night and you know, even it, you know, Michael and I have talked about this too. Even that gamer dad that needs an excuse to say, "Oh, well, I'm getting this to play with my kid. That's why I need this game." But then they actually play the game, and they're developing the right relationship with their kids. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the big thing for me. I mean, luckily, you know, Michael and I are both fortunate enough that we're able to do this as a as a hobby. So. You know the the fi- there's no financial thing that is in in our long view of oh this is we're gonna get rich doing this. It's very much a passion project. Yeah, I, I would think say one year from now, so in February of 2023, I would hope that our, our book is published. We have a, a, a game schooling, a game based unplugged guide uh, for educators and gamers to be able to use. I would hope that we are at a convention playing games and we have that moment where somebody says, oh, Doug and Michael from the Game Schooler podcast, and we form relationships based off of that. And we're playing games with people. Uh, Again, I really hope that one year from now that that's the setting that we're in and we are starting to make a positive dent into classrooms and into homes for Mm -hmm. people so that people know that it's okay to uh, play board games in the school setting, wherever your school setting is during the day. Uh, that somebody comes up from their office and it's not so weird to see uh, people playing games. Um, I don't think it's weird. I'm just jealous. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know. I, I was uh, that. That's where I would hope that we are uh, a year from now. And honestly, the 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 next evolution in the Game Schooler podcast, I hope, is to do what you guys are doing and have done successfully. We want to be able to. I want to start interviewing people and I've talked Mm -hmm. to Doug about that. Doug is a master painter of minis and he's about to punch me about to get a left hook. I can tell right (laughs) now, but but I I want to get people from different spaces of the industry because the industry is so vast so that people can continue to learn together, learn and grow together. So that's where I hope where we're at uh, one year from now. I like that plan. That's good. That's okay. I'll allow it. (laughs) You'll allow it. Good. Good rubber stamped. That's a, a, so <laughs> maybe we have two people to interview on our podcast coming up here at some point in the next year, though. Yeah, once I learn how to use to. Zencaster. Yeah. <laughs> you going to handle that technical whiz? I got that. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, so first of all, I like everything that I heard there. I want to read the book. 
So yes. Let us oh. know. If you want a awesome. blurb for the back. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Gladly be in the liner notes. I mean, we're note. not a big name, but I'm I'm happy to do it. <laughs> but but you are. I mean, I, I actually stumbled onto your podcast, you know, three weeks prior to you reaching out because on the Dice Tower Network they have all of their podcasts. Yeah. So I had just gone through and then I gave, you know, a listen. I was like, Oh, I you're in my feet. Um right. so I, I think you know, I don't know what your exact listenership numbers are, but you're you're out there and you're doing good work, and I feel like we are an adjacent uh, podcast. So well, nobody stays around for 281 episodes if it's not working. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I certainly I mean, hope she's it's stuck working. with me, so it's not yeah. like she can get away. <laughs> I could <laughs> refuse to talk. No, I can't do that either. Never no, mind. No. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Where can people find your stuff? Where can they go on the internet? Gameschooler.com is our, our main website. Twitter, we have at Gameschooler U. And if you have any questions, you can email us at email at Gameschooler.com. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. We really do. I mean, the audience interaction is what we, we thrive on and helps to keep this thing going. So Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Anitra, where can people find us on the internet? Um, well, I'm going to shake it up a little bit. You can email us. What? I know, right? Uh, Anitra <laughs> at thefamilygamers.com. Andrew at thefamilygamers.com. You can also find us on all of the social media. Our tag is at familygamersAA for Andrew and Anitra. That's on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Every once in a while, we're on TikTok. We try. We I, try. Oh, we, we got to see that. Oh, yeah. We're too old for that. Like, it literally, like, <sighs> nothing makes me feel old, like, trying to use the TikTok app. Oh, yeah, the TikTok even, app. It's yeah. not even like the act of recording ourselves that feels old and looking back at it. It's just trying to use the app. I'm like, when did I become old? Oh, I can't I'm do I'm going this. to join TikTok tomorrow just so I can see you guys on TikTok. <laughs> How do you like that? My, really? Oh, man. My I will not. <laughs> my 13 but I, I showed me how to do something on my iPhone last week. It was the worst. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to do this. She's like, oh, dad, you just go boop, 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 boop. I'm like, whatever. whatever and we have it. computer science degrees. We're supposed <laughs> yeah. to know this stuff. I will I will not be joining TikTok, but I encourage everybody to look at your TikTok. <laughs> 80s yes. babies with TikTok and Titanic references. This has been one of the most enjoyable uh, evenings in a long time. Thanks right. for having us on, guys. Well, you can also find us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash The Family Gamers. That's less of a young person thing. We couldn't thing. get The Family Gamers AA thing in there. That's okay. Um, the Family Gamers. But you can also find our merch by going to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. We have t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and stuff. You know you want to play games with your kids t-shirt. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. so great. They're pretty great. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe to the show, tell your friends about the show, and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Amazon Music and Stitcher and Spotify and TuneIn. And, and Overcast and all, all the places. Pocket Cast. Pocket, Pocket, Pocket Cast is my favorite. Just putting it out there. No, nobody else is going to find it. You're the show. only user. Yeah, I'm a premium <laughs> member. <laughs> you can find us on Pocket. I will... I'll, I'll figure out if you can find us on Pocket Cast. I'm sure you can. You can. You can. Because Michael listens to yes. us there. All yeah. right. <laughs> and I save it to the top of the list. So it's right there. <laughs> All right. So uh, the apparently Pocket Cast is the Family Gamers approved. <laughs> the Family Gamers podcast is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com forward slash family gamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. Well, Doug and Mike, it has been such a joy having you on. 
I have laughed a lot more tonight than I thought I was going to. <laughs> what? I think they're funny. You I, don't think they're funny? No, it. Funny that's looking. not what I meant. Yeah, this is the first. This is the first time you've seen Michael. Yeah, no wonder you're laughing. Look at this guy's forehead. You ever seen anything like this? It's a five head. Oh, yes. All right. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. My All right. But thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> I think we need to wrap it up before we get any more ridiculous. So I think that's going to be it for us this week. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. And until next week, everybody. Play games with your kids! kids.